Where are you? Where am I? Did you not hear me say go? No, you froze again, robot. Because your video's on. Oh, fuck's sake. You know what? We'll just end up keep this in as the start. It'll be... <laughs> Just shows how shit we are at fucking the technical side. <laughs> I'm having this on. All right. Well, this is the uh, yeah premium player podcast, third one. How how, uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, good. Uh, currently, outside a caravan down in gloomy Cornwall this morning. This yeah, is so, the commitment I do to the podcast, Mindy. Uh, well, commitment is a strong word for your um, for what you've been like this week. I think. Did you, so. We're a little bit late coming to you with the podcast this week because um, I have an abundance of excuses for why Colin couldn't record yesterday. Do, do, do you want to run through some of the some of the highlights? The highlights of my game no, no, week no, was that? No, 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 not that no, I'm not interested in your game week. Just the, the, the highlights of why you were bitching out of being able to record yesterday. Sand in your speaker? That was my favourite one. Along with poor Wi-Fi. Oh, right. No, 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 excuse no, 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 You were breaking up as you, as, you, as you were going through it. I couldn't... Sums up, sums up the, uh, this podcast trying to get on air. So, yeah, n- no access to 4G. Sand in your microphone. It was just... It was, yeah. it was abysmal. Just one of many. But we're here now. So, yeah, I'm in this with Callum. Um, I guess... Well, let's, let's let's go into the fucking scores from last week. Obviously, you, you, you can go first. Yeah, you, you rubbed it in now, mate, but I'm going to have the last laugh by the time the podcast is finished. Mm, well, so is, but, but, but part of the reason for the delay is uh, you, you, you needing time away from the caravan, isn't it? So, yeah, so, let's, get this, <laughs> so let's get this over with before you need to uh, be back with the family. <laughs> the second fam. Yeah. <laughs> Right, let's do it. So go on, your, your, your game week score last week. Uh, so my game was ended up with a, a lovely 72. Um, I like to go for 60 every week, so I'm still I'm 10 points above each week. How about you? Uh, not not ideal still. Um, 49 I ended up on, and that's I had a minus four as well. So, yeah. I'm probably getting more game week than you too. So we just end the season. So we just uh, double your score and see what the score is. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's all the cliches about marathons and sprints apply. I think um, I'm not going to reel them all out here, but I'm I'm still I'm still backing myself to be to be up there at the end of the season. It's just been a tough start with the whole Salah thing blowing up in my face and uh, just recoiling from that. Still, I think. Um, you know, I, I said last week that I didn't think United would would come out firing against Palace, but then I couldn't back myself on that opinion after after this whole Salah thing. I was like, you can't trust yourself on any decision. Just do what everyone else is doing. Get Bruno Fernandes in, and that's, that's what I did. And yeah, maybe you're already second guessing yourself. That's not good for the second game week, mate. Yeah, no we, mentality issues on my end. I need um, <laughs> I need to have a word of myself. I think. So um, your your game week score obviously um, big part of that was uh, Calvert Lewin and Son. Was there um, a lot of people got rid of got rid of um, Son this week? Was that a consideration 
for you to bring in a United player or were you set on keeping him? Yeah, no, we discussed last week on the podcast. I was either going to do Antonio for DCL, which I ended up doing, or Antonio to Martial and Son to Rodriguez. So it kind of worked out in my favour again, uh, thankfully. But nice. yeah, Everton, Everton do look really dangerous, especially DCL leading that line. And I think um, Ancelotti compared him to Inzaghi this week, saying he wants to get the same movement as what he got Inzaghi doing. So poaching, if that's what his remit is this season, you fancy him to get a lot of goals. Mm, well, yeah, we've got a question on Carver-Lewin at the end. So we'll uh, we'll talk a bit more about whether he's going to continue in this rich vein of form towards the end. Um, so yeah, I, I brought in uh, uh, James Rodriguez this week for Pulisic after um, it turned out Lamps was um, leading me on, t- telling us that he was he was fit and up nearing a nearing a start before the season. Uh, turns out he's had a setback or something, so I sort of had to take the minus four this week just to get rid of Deli Ali and Pulisic. Um, so yeah, I'm just with the way it started. I'm just happy that Rodriguez got something, otherwise. I'd be here crying into the podcast. Um, you wouldn't have turned up, would you? Yeah, I'd be making. I'd be. I'd. I'd be looking coming to you for some excuses. Uh, Sam's <laughs> microphone. Four uh, G's gone. Uh, our internet's down, mate. Sorry. Um, I'm sure, you know, I'll have to bank some of these for later on in the season, just in case. Uh, so um, sure. we we talked about a little bit about there about um, all the people that transferred Son out, and uh, I guess that was a bit of a theme for. The week that's just gone, like people, people transferring out Kane for Marshall. People got rid, getting rid of Ings and Mitrovic, and they both got braces. Some some people got rid of Mane for for Fernandez, and Mane got a brace. So yeah, there's there's a lot think, of like variance there, isn't there? Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it c- kind of shows you can't just sort of bring in a player for a week and then get rid of them straight away, kind of thing. Right? I don't know. How do you feel about that? That's what I was just going to say. Like after game week one, all these players who everyone was rushing to get out, like Kane, Son, Mane, they've all hit form game week two. So I think it, I think it shows that you've just got to, your premium players especially, you've just got to believe that they'll deliver eventually because they're not going to deliver every game week. So I think you've just got to stick and keep the faith, right? Um, I think you'll be you're going to have to do that with Bruno. It's going to take a brave man to get him out now. Mm, yeah, I didn't like what I saw from United at the weekend, to be fair. So we'll see what happens with Bruno. But yeah, he's not going yet. Um, but yeah, I think like definitely with the premium players, you can't... You, you're just um, asking for trouble if you bring them in for a week and just get rid of them after a week. Because, like, yeah, most of them can go off. Yeah, I, got, I, got, I did get quite lucky with some because I was very close to getting him out. And, yeah, I kind of count my lucky stars, really. But after that performance, he's not coming out anytime soon. I think I think this is why it's kind of important to have a bit of a strategy with your premium players of what runs yeah, absolutely. What, what runs of fixtures you want to keep them in for, um, which is why which is why we called the podcast premium player. Um, that reminds me actually we should um, plug the Twitter account now that it's working. So um, had oh, some yeah. uh, work, had some issues with the uh, well as with everything with this podcast we've had some issues with the uh, Twitter account <laughs> being. Shadow band or ghost band or something, but it's back. Um, so premium underscore FPL followers on there. 
we're currently rocking with 17 loyal loyal followers we could do with building that up building that up a little bit um i'm sure it'll be seventeen thousand in no time yeah um so yeah follow us on there we'll um start taking people's questions and letting people know when the podcast out and hopefully some some of the fun content on there uh after the first month of first month of recording so get following um is there anything else you want to say about themes from last week i guess it kind of shows why also what we just talked what we've just been talking about people transferring out werner this week for west brom who appear to be a, a team that look possibly yeah. to target like i think i think that looks right for people getting burnt again just yeah absolutely i've got werner in and there's no way he's going out after seeing west brom's first two games and Chelsea played. Who did Chelsea play last night? They won five. I know it's only Barnsley, but the way West Brom are playing, it's probably quite equivalent to them at the moment. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So yeah, it was interesting to see Everett's got a hat trick last night. So he should be, if he starts the weekend, he should be playing with a bit, bit more confidence, a bit of spring in his step. Um, yeah, the players coming in from a foreign league, that's all they need. And they need a couple of games to play well, and then suddenly in the stride, and you get good value. So yeah, I mean, Having touched a little bit on, I touched a little bit on maybe my mistakes with listening to Lampard uh, about Pulisic when I was making my uh, pre-season team. So I guess the other, just to touch on lessons we've learned on the team we started with, I think that obviously the massive cock up my end was um, thinking I could go without Salah for a few weeks, uh, which, yeah, well documented in the last two <laughs> podcasts how that went um and I guess also I mean could we have predicted Everton's form I mean there were people saying that with the players that they've signed and Ancelotti's strength at building teams in the past could we have could, could should we have started with Everton players do you reckon yeah in, in hindsight definitely um I think the difference between Obviously, Tottenham played really well at the weekend. But when I look at Mourinho's team, it doesn't have any identity to it. It's, you can't cast it back to his previous Chelsea team or his Inter Milan team. Whereas Ancelotti, that Everton team now, it's built in all the good Ancelotti's teams, that 4-3-3. Um, and the midfield's so solid. And I think he's already got them playing in the system that he's had previously, like Napoli, AC Milan, Chelsea. There's, there's an identity there that I think I've seen with Ancelotti teams in the past. And obviously, it's tried and tested formula. And I... I could be wrong, but I, I just can't see them slowing down and they're going to look really strong for a top six, top four finish for me. Yeah, I mean, they've got this Resolute Palace defence who, despite everyone's predictions, seem to be quite resolute so far. So they've got, I think they've got Palace. Yeah, that'll be the first test. Yeah, so it'd be yeah. interesting to see. I, I may be not expecting them to run right against Palace, but yeah, I think overall they do look equipped to continue creating chances and scoring goals which which yeah, I think good. if anything's going to cost them it's going to be the keeper uh, I know oh. Carragher was saying at the weekend Kepper was costing Chelsea and I think Pickford might undermine Everton at some point but we'll see I mean well, did, did you see what he did last night? I've seen it I didn't actually see it but I've seen on Twitter that he's had a howler I mean, yeah, the, the defenders didn't really do a favour passing it to him in trouble, but he, yeah, he tried to sort of pass it out when two two, bar, two, 
two, not too bad. Two, I'm really playing, but two two attackers were right on him, and yeah, just led straight to a goal. So he does. Yeah. It's such a precious there. position that as soon as the confidence is gone and the defender's confidence and the keeper's gone, it's quite it's quite a treacherous situation. So we'll see how it develops. Yeah, something to bear in mind for um, going in on the defenders. I've not got an Everton defender yet, but Luca Dean's on the. The only one would be Dean, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he does. He does have some corners, and you might have pens potentially be able to touch on that. Touch on that later. So, is there anything with your, with the team you made before the season that obviously you've got you've got off to a pretty decent start? But is there, if you had to nitpick, is there anything you look at and think maybe I wouldn't do that next year, or something you'd pay a bit more attention to when you build your next season's team? Uh. Like you say, I've got, I've got quite lucky with the strong start. But this was the first year I've left a bit of money in the bank, and um, when I've gone in to do my transfers, game week three we're on now, um, and that extra money. We'll talk about transfers later, I guess. But that extra bit of money does come in handy when you need to upgrade a player. So I definitely that strategy has worked for me this year, and I, I will do, like to do that again. Yeah, definitely. I've I've um, ended up with just way too much money in the bank because I was planning. I'm leaving money in to bring De Bruyne in game week two, which again I didn't commit to because uh, I ended up going Fernandez with the herd after not backing myself on Salah. I thought I can't, I can't trust my opinion on going De Bruyne against Wolves. So then I've, I've now got a silly amount of money in the bank um, from not committing to my strategy from before the season. So I guess for me, don't let one gut instinct that goes wrong just override your whole strategy which is what's what which is what I've done so far um yeah I think you've just got to be consistent because once you start going against what your strategy is then you've I think you're going to lose it uh my fire alarm's just going off which is ideal sorry about that did you hear that <laughs> yeah I was like the dogs had all this effort getting on air. We're going to be taking off before we even began. I think I think the the fire department heard heard me talking about bottling it with my strategy, and they just yeah, the warning sign. <laughs> trying to get off. you out there. Yeah, season warning that like was. Flat rate trying to get you out of the situation. <laughs> um, yeah, that's enough about my mistake for my preseason team. Um, another big theme I guess that we should touch on is um, wildcarding. There's quite a lot of people doing it this week, and everyone's wondering whether they should, whether they shouldn't. Obviously, you're, you're, you're not really in a position where you need to wildcard, but did you consider it at all? So, I, I did consider it last week. Um, I think I was just being over-eager. Um, and then this week kind of showed me that I think the first wildcard, you've just got to hold for as long as you can. Obviously, if your team's in dire need of a wildcard, then definitely do it. But before it takes like five or six weeks for there to be like a pattern of scores. And I I think there's too much variance now to do it early because then you'll find that you want to do it later on. So for me, I'm going to hold it for as long as I can. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just to How touch on, like, that, I think that's a good point about the pattern. Like, that game week just gone, like, average something stupid, like, over four goals a game. And I, I yeah. think over Premier League, recent Premier League history, the average goals per game is around 2.8. So that's going to yeah. settle down, you'd think. Um so, and yeah, as we saw with all the, a lot of the big premium players that blanked game week one, they then returned game week two. So yeah, there's just not enough of a 
sample size, I guess. For to, to uh, me, I, I don't know who the the big defenses are yet. Like, I don't know who's going well. To keep I mean, I, I, I don't think anyone can defend in, in the Premier League. <laughs> um, and it, for me, obviously, with my start, I was very tempted to go up to our card, even considering the things we just said. Because um, obviously, I still have Salah, and I needed to bring in De Bruyne, and I just ended up deciding I'm just, I'm just going to take take hits for now. Um, it's easy enough to make them pay off when there's this many game weeks to go. Uh, and the other thing I think is that, you know, the transfer window is still open. Teams are still in the position to be signing first team players like Wolves signing, spending 35, 37 million on Semedo yesterday. So how is that going to He's impact? He's one of my watch this year. Yeah. How's that going to impact the, the Wolves first team? Um, so yeah, and and some of the players that have been signed, like as we from Chelsea, they're not they're not in the first team yet, or they're struggling. So I think knowing who the best Chelsea assets have will be important to know for for a wildcard team. I think because you're going to want one. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen the City game on Monday, but it looks like De Bruyne is going to be playing ten. So for me, he's above seller this year if he's, if that continues. Well, yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Um, Guardiola, I think he said that... I, saw, I didn't read the article, but I saw a tweet saying something that Guardiola said he will be playing that position more. So, yeah. Do you think that makes a big difference then, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. He, is, is, it, is it killer De Bruyne on the pitch? And If he's playing further forward, he's going to be getting so many assists and... and Goals like a shot from outside the box. There's probably no one better in the Prem, and he's going to be on free kicks, penalties. If he doesn't get, if he stays injury free, I think he'll be the top scorer in the Premier in the FPL. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree. I mean, I think I went into the season thinking it would be Orber, but Arsenal don't look that free flowing as an attack yet. But that could change. But yeah, I think. You're probably right with De Bruyne. If he keeps pens all season and plays over 75% of games in the number 10 position, he's just so, so involved. Um, yeah. And yeah, he can shoot from anywhere. So, yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's, that covers why we're both, we're both not wildcarding. Um, I guess it, it's important to say it is very team-dependent. Like, if you've got... Yeah, if you, obviously if you're in dire straits and you, yeah. you're going to lose points by not doing it, then I wouldn't. If you've got Pulisic hanging around and, you know, Alisson Maximin... <laughs> you've got Deli Alli thinking out your bench. Yeah, and, you know, you might have Alisson Maximin who looks... I'm not sure if we've heard whether he's injured or not, but he limped off last game week. So, yeah, if you've got a few injuries and you're not that happy with your premium players, which is the bedrock of your team, then, then yeah, it could be could be worth it in your position so I mean it's important to, to know yeah just to look at it with there's not a blanket rule for everyone which is I guess is important oh, to say um, you, I guess the other thing maybe is uh, a lot of people seem to um, like wildcarding early in this, in this part of the season to for the price rises um, yeah does that do, do you think, how, how much of a factor do you think that is um, for me it's if I am wildcarding, like I'll hit the button early and I'll get in the players that I think are gonna 
rise like 0.2 and cream off those 0.1s but I don't think it's that important really I mean it's you know you I think it's important to remember that at the end of the season it's the it's the points on the board not the the team value that that gets you yeah. um get gets you top of your league so but, but for, for, for some managers that that is a massive reason for why they do it early to because there's more active players at this point of the season so there's more likely to be fluctuation in price rises in the early weeks um what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I talked about this in the season preview we did. Um, I am one for for catching them price rises, so I made my two early transfers this week, right. um, just to catch them because I do believe obviously points at the end of the season are more important. But if you can get a lead and have the team value in the bank by the time it comes to February or March, your team value is worth like 107, say, and your rivals still on 101. And you can just end up just getting a better team. By the time that second wild card hits, you're, you're at such a massive advantage. So I, I am an advocate for catching them price rises. Yeah, I guess the, the counter argument, as as I'd say, is um, you know there is a bit of a a risk with doing early transfers. The the, the benefit is, as you say, catching the rises, but then there's the risk that you know a lot of people were surprised that Everton played. Uh, Richarlison and Carver Lewin last night in the in the in the cup. Um, so if one of them had got injured or picked up something last night, and you've made your yeah. your transfers early, there is that That's risk. True. And uh, with the schedule being as packed as it is this season, like especially when the Champions League starts, there's going to be some big injuries. Yeah. Like, I think you have to, if you are doing those early transfers, you have to be prepared maybe to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, I guess, in investment terms, you you need to have some risk appetite or whatever they say. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I brought in two city players, so I don't, I think, I think we'll play the kids on Thursday, but, well, tomorrow, that's tonight, isn't it, Thursday? Um, So I do think we'll play the kids, so I think I'll be okay, but we'll see. You you forgot on what day it is. Do they not, do they they not work on the normal calendar in Cornwall? (laughs) When you're on holiday, you lose track of days, mate. Well, um, yeah. Um, so you, I mean, you've you've touched a little bit there on your your moves for this week. So you, you, we'll talk about transfers and captains now. Okay. Um, two city players. I'm guessing one one's De Bruyne, who's the other one. So yeah, De Bruyne's in for Aubameyang. No surprise there. Uh, the ones Alan St. Maximan in for Foden. So the two transfers for me was so easy this week, and it's very rare that you get. I had the right money at the right time. Um, two players banging form and City looked really good and I think with Bernardo out injured uh, David Silva gone I think Foden's going to get a lot of minutes this year and if Foden does play above seven, say on average he plays 70 minutes a game or 60 minutes a game there's going to be no one who competes in that price bracket for me So did you say Bernardo Silva's out injured? Yeah How long for? Uh, they're not said yet but I'm not, I'm not sure how long, but he wasn't in the squad at the weekend. So, yeah, I think the, the only thing I don't like about Foden is the yeah the rotation risk. But, yeah, if Bernardo Silva's out, I guess that just leaves maybe Mahrez he's competing with. Yeah. But, like say, with a City player, you don't need him to play 90 minutes to return. Foden yeah. could come on for 30. And you'd fancy Foden for 30 minutes than, say, for example, Alan Sutton, maximum for 90, in my opinion, anyway. So, um. 
So yeah, th- there was n- no one else in that bracket that appears. What about Podence? A lot of a lot of people talking about Podence. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of people on Twitter getting rid. Interestingly, his ownership's quite low, whereas the on Twitter his ownership's about ninety percent. So I don't know where the under the matching up there, but he did look very good. Obviously, his Megs under Bruyne was uh, lovely. Yeah, it was that was naughty at the end, wasn't it? But he, yeah, yeah I mean, he does look he does look good. I guess with with him, it, it it kind of comes into what we were talking about earlier with Wolves having bought a new player. Um, if they've got Samedo coming in to fill that wing back position, that frees up Adama Traore to go further up the pitch. Which yeah. you'd think that'd be what Nuno's plan is. So you'd want to maybe... fancy it. the way Podence is playing. It'll be Podence, Jimenez, and Traore, but we'll yeah. see. So yeah, um, I think for a lot of people, it's between for that slot, it's between like Podence, Foden, and then. There's also a bit of talk about Harvey Barnes because I watched Leicester this week. And yeah, he Harvey, was good. Harvey Barnes looks ridiculous. Um, I think the question with him is... He's a bit more expensive, isn't he? Is he 7.5? 7. 7.0. Oh, right. Nice. So, um, he's a bit more expensive than Foden, um, which would put people off. But I guess he's a bit more... I guess he, he's a bit more like he's playing 90 minutes. Um, yeah, no, he, so, he's a good shot. It's uh, I, the question with him is his finishing because he often looks good and takes lots of shots. He just can't finish his dinner. Um, <laughs> leaves his leaves his veg on his plate a lot. So I have to see how how he gets on. But for, I think yeah, for, for me it's I'm going to see between Foden and him who ends up looking looking the best. Um, so yeah, I, my transfer this transfers this week were uh, I moved early on Harbert Lewin um, after that hat trick. Uh, it was actually watching match of the day and um, hearing Ancelotti say the line that you said about Inzaghi. I was like, Yeah, that's what you want from me, a striker in FPL. Because last year he drifted wide a lot, whereas now he's pretty much he just lives in that six yard box, and you're gonna fancy him. Like two of his goals were just. Pretty much just nabbing people's gold. Yeah, and then the other transfer was uh, over to De Bruyne, um, which right. is, yeah, as you say, is a popular move. I think that was what a lot of people's strategy was going into the season, over for the first two, get the captain out of him at West Ham, and then move to De Bruyne. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I think that's it for me this week, but I still don't have Salah. <laughs> so... I was a bit concerned. You'd like one more week. Arsenal at home's not a terrifying fixture, is it? For you not to have? Um, it's just, well, Salah's home form, you know, I've been taught not to ignore that now, painfully. Right. So, uh, and I was also concerned to see that Tierney was out last week and it was Kolasinac playing. So, if Tierney's, oh, yeah, not, back, if Tierney's not back and it's Salah up against Kolasinac, like... You know, I mean, class and actually solid. Like, if if someone's looking to rob you and you're in your car, you'd want class and actually there. That, that video, did you see that video last season? Yeah, him and Ozil, and he's just there, like fighting off three men with knives. But but I think on a pitch with Salah running up against him, he's not he's not who I'd want. So I'm I'm gonna make a decision on whether I just bite the bullet and get Salah in for minus four this week, depending on 
what Arteta says about their injuries at the back. Um, right, would that be for Bruno? Um, it, w- it would be for Bruno, yeah. Which goes against everything we've seen at the start. <laughs> but well, yeah, this podcast is one for uh, sticking to our word, is it? In that United game, though, especially when Ronnie Van Der Beek came on, he looked really deep. Like yeah, he was almost playing in the double pivot, like in front of the defence, and he looked quite tired. Um, so yeah, he, he came back. He joined up with the squad quite late because um, he, yeah, he was with Portugal for Nations League duty, and I think he said like three or four days training before the start of the season. So, uh, right, I'm I'm I, I'm not sure he's gonna be. You know, getting that many goals from open play. I think his main thing at the moment, his main appeal is the pens. But yeah, we're going to, I guess, should, should we talk about pens now, actually? The importance of penalties this season. Yeah, it was very so, interesting um, what you were telling me earlier. So, so yeah, um, having noticed just how many penalties there have been, there's been 30, so 13 pens after two game weeks of, of football so far which seems a lot, and it is a lot. Um, a season before, at this stage, there was only four penalties. And a season before that, after two game weeks, there was only eight penalties. So 13 up from four and eight is, you know, I'm sure the... Yeah, it's stat- massive. I'm sure the statisticians that are out there would say that's a significant, you know, what's the first, statistically significant or whatever. Like, that is a lot. Yeah. And I think that's partly because of the rule change on referees having to give penalties for accidental handballs now, which is, seems to be something that's come from UEFA. Um, so if... Yeah, if There's if, a few teams up there as well, isn't there, where we don't know who the penalty taker will be. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, as we were saying, with reasons maybe not to wildcard yet, I think you'd want... I, I, I definitely want to know who, for all the sort of pacey attacking teams that are likely to win penalties. I want to know who all their penalty takers are so that, yeah, you can make an informed decision on who the best player from that team is. Because if the, if this rate of pens increase, it continues anything like what it is, it's just going to be a stupid amount of penalties. Um, and, yeah, p- players that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily consider, like, I don't know, a lot of people have considered him, but, yeah, maybe... There'll be a run of weeks where you run Mitrovic and Morpai because they've they're on pens for their team and they'll be the best asset. Like if 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 there's a double game week for at some point with with a team, you you you're gonna want the penalty taker for that, aren't you? Yeah, there's a lot of it. Yeah, and Villa as well. Who Ollie Watkins on pens or? Uh, I'm not sure. It could be Grealish, but yeah, like that's a good example really because like Grealish, if he continues playing in the front three, like. He gets he's like is he the second most foul player in the league or the most foul player in the league? Like he's gonna there's gonna yeah, be him and Trey have the battle every year, don't they? So yeah, there's gonna be penalties there. So yeah, I think um that's gonna be an overriding theme of the season, penalties. Uh I think until the referee unless the referees get together when they have their um I think every now and again they come together and have a look at how they've been doing and if they change things. So but that won't be for a while. So this thing with all these accident and accidental handballs being given as pens will continue for a few ge- f- f- 
a few weeks at least, I think. Um, so yeah, captains then. Who's your captain this week? Well, this is one that's going to go down to the wire. Obviously, I brought De Bruyne in and he might be the standout to most people, but there's De Bruyne and then Sally you spoke about. He's interested in me. Son after last week, I think they've got, is it a Newcastle at home they've got? And you've got Werner away at West Brom. And even Calvert-Lewin at Palace after coming off the back of a hat-trick. There's a lot of options out there this week. I think it's going to, I think that's one that's going to go down to the wire for me. But I think it's going to be either De Bruyne or Salah just because of the ownership factor. And then because I'm doing quite well, I don't need to go risky with it. Oh, you, 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 you're doing quite well. It'll probably be, but we'll see. You're doing quite well. You've not mentioned that enough time. <laughs> um, so, so that's interesting. Just to rub it in. So you're um, you, you're factoring ownership into it this early. Yeah, well, it just showed that first week Salah was the most popular captain, and those who didn't have him were like yourself were uh, severely affected. Um, so most, most people are going with De Bruyne. And did you see the news yesterday that uh, indeed he's out for 10 weeks? Uh, so I think it's big Wes Morgan at the back. Uh, so you're going to fancy City to score a hat full, but we'll see. So yeah, I think for, for me this week it's between... it was With the team I've got at the moment, it's between Werner and De Bruyne. Um, obviously the big plus for, in, in, for Werner is that you're coming up against a defence that just looks like it's going to concede at least two goals every game. Yeah. Um, but I think the only thing with Werner is, is that he's just, he's just not scored yet. Like, there's just not... You can't... What, what, while I'm confident that West Brom will concede, you just, I'm just not sure. You know, sometimes it can take players, as you were saying, you need to get your first goal sometimes to fit, have that confidence that you're going to shoot on site and whatever. Yeah. You know, get the monkey off your back or whatever, as they say. So I think just the fact that he's this early into his Premier League career still slightly puts me off. So yeah, and, and what you've said about Ndidi, like he's such a big factor for Leicester. Like when he was out towards the end of last season, they unravelled. Like, uh, yeah, he was he's looked quite good in centre half as well. First few games. So yeah, he was a big factor in. United ended up getting fourth over Leicester, his injury off season. I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's going to be De Bruyne for me as well. Um, you just, yeah, he's, he's hard to ignore the way he played on Monday. Um, right, so this weekend we're going with Salo and Werner then? <laughs> well, you, you, that's, you, you're the one who's primed for the, for the U-turns, not me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've... Um, we, we, we've had some questions again. You um, you up for going through some of them? Yeah, we have to. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm joking, of course. After so, the standard um, of questioning last week. I mean, uh, 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 unless the uh, unless the mob at the caravans have woke up, um, we'll, uh, <laughs> the banging on my card. Oh no! <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get through. Um, I think we've got three, so yeah, we should be able to get through them. Um, we touched on the first one already a little bit. Um, question from Josh. Is Carbert-Lewin a, long, a long-term pick this season? So, I mean, have you got anything else you want to say to elaborate on? Well, to put it simply, for me, yes, 100%. Just because of like what we've discussed, it's obviously very big. Um, 
just the the Ancelotti comments for me saying he wants to be in Zaga. He's gonna he's just gonna be in that six yard box, and Everton's delivery from wide is probably one of the best with Digne. Um Obviously, got Jay Rod feeding him as well. I fancy Richarlison to get a few points, but I think Richarlison will every game he'll probably look better than Dominic Calvert Lewin, but Dominic Calvert Lewin will get more points. But we'll see because the first two games Richarlison's looked brilliant, but he's been outscored. Yeah, I think the way that Dominic Calvert Lewin's not because not running about as much, like he's not yeah running no, into the wings as much anymore, and that ties into what. And just like we were saying about Inzaghi, just you want your first touch just to be a shot on goal, which is what he used to tell Inzaghi. Yeah. So, if, if and his confidence as well in it with strikers and his confidence at the moment is absolutely flying. He's going to believe he's going to score every time he goes on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, if a manager of the level of Ancelotti mentions you in the same breath as Inzaghi, it's not going <laughs> to hurt your confidence, is it? Oh, no chance. So yeah, that's so off me. Of... Yeah, he's a keeper. Yeah. Um, just and at that price point as well, hard to hard to be. Yeah, him, well, he's, he's racing up at he's going up at some rate, isn't he? Seven point two already, probably seven point three before this weekend. So yeah, I think yeah. While maybe this week's fixture isn't great against Palace, I think he is a long term pick for for us this season. It sounds yeah, like yeah, absolutely. Um, and then question from from Zach: How many desired transfers is enough to justify? A wild card. Um, knowing Zach, whatever he does with his wild card team, I'm sure he'll botch it up. But, <laughs> but yeah, how many transfers would you say? Uh, for me, it depends. If I'm doing a late wild card and I still don't want to make that many, then probably five or six. But if I'm playing it this early, then obviously I don't have much faith in my team. So I'd look to overhaul it completely. Maybe eight, nine, ten. Well, really, that Otherwise, many? Otherwise, I I wouldn't be playing my wild card. I'd just be taking. Say, if you wanted six, I'd just do it over the next three weeks. But that's just me. What so about I, you? I'm I'm maybe a bit less than that because I think I think if you need to take over a minus eight, which I guess is what's what's that? That's four transfers. That's when I'd start to consider it because I think right if you start, you know, you would say you'd you'd maybe make those. Take a hit over a few weeks, like yeah. You you kind of then you're not in a position to attack the next game week because you've got a transfer you needed to do from the game week before. So if, yeah, someone, if someone comes into form, you can't jump on that player because you're still bringing in someone from the yeah. Year that you needed no, I get two weeks ago. So I I think you know if there's four or five players that you want to get rid of, and some of them are your premium players who. And you want the players you want to bring in a captain options as well that you want. Yeah. I think that's enough to justify a wild card, in my opinion. Um, right. So yeah, I guess. I guess there's, there's, there'll be a lot of people that wild card in this week. Maybe only changing maybe two or three, which in my opinion that's too few. That's a bit of a frivolous wild card. Uh, and yeah, with the number you gave, I guess you'd agree that. You need to be making a few more big changes to to justify it at that point. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't go against what you're saying. Um, it's preference, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I've heard mentioned is just um, from some people this week is um, having the wild card just sitting there can make you make 
bad decisions because it can sort of seep into your thinking like, oh, well, I'll bring you in this play for a bit and if it doesn't work, well, I've got my wild card to sort it. Whereas once you've played your wild card, you're less likely to make risky decisions. You're a bit more set on, right, this right, player's yeah. coming in for the long term. So it depends on what your mindset is. If you're someone who can fall into that, maybe you would want to get rid of your wild card a bit earlier. Just because if, if, it, if, if it's sitting there, preys on your mind psychologically you know yeah no, fair enough yeah if, if you're a listener who's got a weak mentality like mine you know <laughs> one, one salad absency hall can just completely break you as a person maybe <laughs> maybe you need to factor that in but anyway next question um yeah it depends how yeah i'm never a player who's bringing i never look at the next game week for me it's the next five but i know people out there want to play it different play the game differently so uh, so yeah, next question from from Baron. Um, interesting one, this one. I usually tend to captain players if there's home games. Does that go out of the window with no home crowd? It's a very good question, that. And uh, we did see that at the back end post-restart. And it's, the way it started now, I'd probably go along with that. Um, the, the classic game for me was probably Monday night when City beat Wolves like the first last two years we got completely bullied I'd probably say by the players and that atmosphere whereas Monday night we were a completely different team very assured I know City played very well but I do think crowd has a big factor into pushing the team forward and I wouldn't be against captain people now in the away fixtures where I wouldn't normally so I'd probably go along with that I'd probably say there's less of a bias to home teams now. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it does make a difference. Um, what, what I'd say on this is that it's important maybe to look at maybe the mini trends within that trend. So, for example, it's well documented that Salah performs at home, whereas Mane yeah. tends to perform away. Um, and Southampton can't seem to win a, a home game for love or money at the moment. So, Southampton away would actually be a decent game like because the, the way they set up like they just that high line it's just e- e- yeah a lot of people fancied them to do well didn't they and they've kind of gone against all that because yeah I think it's important to look at maybe like s- s- some teams actually prefer to play away from home because they know that teams that are that are at home are more like to come out and play a bit so yeah. I think rather than just a blanket rule of I'm going to captain players that have a home game. You maybe want to look at like the two teams that are playing. How do they do home and away? Like, is there a trend? So, like Southampton is a great example, I think, where they do a lot worse at home than you'd expect. So, the rule maybe doesn't apply to them, um, and there'll be other teams like that. Um, so, yeah, I can't think. I can't think of another one off the top of my head, but some players. The whole home and away thing, like as as, as I said over Mane, I guess like away he he tends to actually come up clutch a bit more than Salah. So I don't think it's as much of a de facto blanket rule, but it is interesting that some of the advantage of a home game has gone with no crowd. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely would, I definitely wouldn't. Um, only just captain players at home. I think there's a bit more nuance to it, especially now with no crowds. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I think that's 
that's it for questions. Um, anything you think we've missed? Are we are we done? Can we wrap up? Uh, no, I think I think we've covered everything. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, it's been a been a good pod, hasn't it? We've covered quite a lot. Uh, yeah, I guess um, the big thing for me this week is stressing the importance of of the penalties. Um, th- those stats were were mental. I thought. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the big take for me is probably don't base everything on one game week. Obviously, with the difference of game week one and two, it's definitely made me settle down and not be rash throughout the season. Yeah, I think that there's going to be weeks where people just have like a team could get 30 one week, and then the next week that same team could just get 90. Like, yeah, variance. Like, if, if, this, if this many goals continues, then yeah, don't let. Yeah. Don't don't let one bad score send you into a send you on tilt basically. So that's it. <laughs> it send you into an FPL nightmare. Yeah, or which is which is which is me at the moment, really. Um, so yeah, that's it for this week then. Um, bye. Right, worth the effort getting on there. Yeah, it was worth the effort. I think. Um, <laughs> o- 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 hopefully, it's a bit easier to get on when you're not not in a caravan next week. <laughs> Fingers crossed, mate. Uh, yeah, w- w- one last plug for the Twitter account, premium underscore FPL, get following. Um, we'll try and um, get some stuff out on there over the weekends, like as points are going in and stuff. And yeah. it'll be, hopefully it'll be a worthwhile follow. I mean, if, if you start pulling your finger out and sending some tweets, that would help as well. <laughs> I'll get involved, mate. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right, let's end it there. All right, adios. See ya. Bruno.